The scandals that erupted in the fall of 1986 and the reaction to them cast a revealing light on the political system and the intellectual culture that interprets and sustains it. As we shall see in detail below, these events demonstrated that the United States remains dedicated to the rule of force, that political elites agree and indeed insist that it must remain so, and that, furthermore, the commitment to violence and lawlessness frames their self-image as well, barely concealed beneath deceptive rhetoric. These conclusions can readily be drawn from the actual record if we face it honestly and without illusion. They have serious implications for the future, just as the same conclusions in earlier days, no less readily established, no less regularly suppressed, have had profound consequences in the past. With regard to Central America, the scandals disrupted a tacit elite consensus, troubled by some tactical disagreements over generally shared goals. They imposed new demands for the ideological system, which must control the domestic damage and ensure that it is confined within narrow and politically meaningless bounds, while dedicating itself anew to the major and continuing task, to fashion an appropriate version of the real scandals of the 1980s so as to place U.S. actions in a favorable light, and thus to ensure that similar policies can proceed without serious impediment when they are considered necessary. This task gained new urgency in June 1986, as the World Court issued its long-expected judgment condemning the United States for its attack against Nicaragua, and Congress voted aid for the Contras, endorsing the illegal use of force while asserting that it was the only way to get the Sandinistas to negotiate seriously, five days after Nicaragua had accepted the latest draft of the Contadora Treaty, rejected by the U.S. and its clients. This is for real. This is a real war, a U.S. government official commented, confirming the judgment of Nicaraguan President Daniel Ortega that the congressional vote amounted to a declaration of war. The media and the general intellectual community had largely accepted and internalized the basic framework of government doctrine throughout. But with the virtual declaration of war, under these circumstances, it became necessary to pursue the task of imposing a suitable doctrine structure with renewed vigor. Specifically, since we have declared war against Nicaragua and established a functioning terrorist state in El Salvador, it must be true, and therefore it is true, that Nicaragua is a brutal one-party dictatorship devoted to torture and oppression, while the resistance who courageously fought the former dictator Somoza now fight for freedom and democracy against the new dictator Ortega imposed by Soviet imperialism. Correspondingly, it is necessarily the case that El Salvador, like Guatemala and Honduras, is a fledgling democracy marching forward towards the four freedoms thanks to our fervent love of liberty. If the facts show otherwise, then so much worse for the facts. The task of constructing a usable version of history and the current scene confronted further obstacles in the summer of 1987. Despite a substantial military effort by the United States, the much-heralded spring offensive of the Sons of Reagan, as the marauders of the proxy army announced themselves when swooping down on barely defended farms and villages to kill and destroy, achieved no military victories that could be flaunted to convince wavering legislators that the exercise of violence might succeed. Organizing achievements among the Nicaraguan populace are not even a topic for consideration. What was worse, the disarray caused by the scandals encouraged U.S. allies— Costa Rica in particular, to risk the wrath of Washington and proceed in the course of diplomacy.